0: Hey everybody, we're back. It's episode 129 of Making It. We're back, we're back. Oh man. Oh man, yes. (laughs) I'm Bob Claggett, here with
1: David Peccino. Oh man.
0: Oh man. We're back. (laughs) We're back. Also here with Jimmy Duresta.
1: Did we go anywhere? I've been here the whole time. I
0: think so. (laughs) I guess, you know, that's not going to make any sense for somebody who's like behind a few weeks and they're just listening to them through because they're not going to know the fact that we didn't have a show last week. Let's start over. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we're back, finally. Uh, Thanks for being patient with us last week. I was just overwhelmed with moving and having living in a box fort, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Just boxes everywhere and stuff. But we're back to, you know, everybody's here, getting back to a schedule and stuff. And stuff. And stuff. Although, you know, like I don't know about you guys, but nothing has normalized in my life yet from moving.
1: slowly it's slowly happening but not not fast here's
2: here's what happened with us we are 90 percent moved and we like the new house so much we already forgot about the old house so (laughs) we don't even want to go back to move stuff or to get it ready to put it up on the market so eventually we're going to be like hmm i don't like paying two mortgages and we're going to finish up the other one. but right now we're too excited about the new place
1: well, I got that same exact spot with my shop when I, I was like, you know what? I think I don't think I'm fully moved, but I don't care. Whatever's there, I don't need anymore. And that's kind of <laughs> how I got because I was just so like, wow, this is, this is cool. Now I'm functioning. I'm able to do stuff here. And, you know, I have like whatever, safe keeps and just materials over there. In fact, I left a lot of it. And they emailed me today. They're like, have you moved completely? I said, yeah. I said, if there's anything there, you can throw it away. If you want me, I'll come get it. And they haven't emailed <laughs> me back yet.
0: Mm. awesome I'm I'm like at the I posted about this a couple days ago but I'm still in the walking around the house looking at the piles of boxes and the unpacked things and just being like oh my gosh there's so much like I have to do so much up here before I can get to the shop you know and the other night I went down and just stood in the shop thinking like okay it's it's 11 o'clock I can spend an hour down here and just you know try to get something done try to get some something unpacked or, and I stood there and looked around for like 10 minutes. It was just like looking at corners going, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like so much to do because it's a lot of stuff that I, it's not worth unpacking boxes if I don't have anywhere to put it, the stuff. Right. And then I can't push things in certain places against the walls because I need to put electrical there and I can't do the electrical until I get the electrical stuff. And you know, there's a bunch of like sequences that I need to go through do this thing first, before I can do this, before I can do this. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was cool just to stand there and look around and kind of daydream at you know what this thing will be once I'm done with it. But at the same time, it's, it's kind of weird, I don't know if the, you guys deal with this, but it's kind of weird being uh, the shop stuff is so important to our business, which then is important to our lives. But in this case, like I'm looking at the house, thinking I got to get these bedrooms done so people will have a place to sleep. Because right now, all the kids are sleeping in the living room. <laughs> we have our bedroom done, and uh, it's like I need to build out the shop. But it it it's hard for me to feel like it's a super big priority when you know at least major parts of the home are not done. Do you deal with that at all in in this process or?
2: For me, my shop is still living at the old house. And so I don't so it's like two separate things. And because we're still working on renovating the new shop, the old shop is completely intact, and just point nine miles away. So it's really easy for me to get back and forth.
0: But you are putting time into the new shop.
2: Yeah, we spent the entire weekend um, digging a a trench from the house to the garage. I saw that.
1: So your garage is detached. Your your workshop garage is detached from the regular. So you have a house with a garage and then a detached garage.
2: Correct. And there was electricity running out to there. But uh, the gauge of wire was not. I don't know anything about electricity. So I might sound. Dumb, but not not big enough and yeah. so we couldn't use the existing wire and so we had to dig a new trench and bury I, some i did the
1: same thing in my backyard because yeah. my my garage is detached we had to run 200 feet of wire for yeah. 200 amp service and, and it cost cost me a lot of money yeah. I, luckily ago.
2: i have an amazing friend who is helping me out with it um, and then there was a there's a sidewalk in between the two buildings so we had to dig underneath the sidewalk and then you know jamming 20 foot of metal tube in there to try to get it to level out and pop through on the other side. Just, just right. It was a lot of work. It took all day. I was like, this will only take a couple hours. And then eight hours later, I'm like, I just want to die.
0: <laughs> How did you end up digging underneath the concrete? I'm curious. There's a few different ways to do that.
2: Uh trenching shovel. So it's just a long, skinny shovel that you, you go one side and you dig out halfway through and you go the other side and you dig out the other half. Hmm.
0: Huh. Interesting. We, when we had uh, cable hooked up here, there was no—in this area, there's still a company that does DSL, and then there's a company that does cable, and <clears throat> my grandfather had DSL to the house. So when I tried to hook up Comcast, there was no actual cable line running from the drop you know, to the house or drop to the house. And so they came out one day, and they laid a physical table, a cable on top of the ground from the box— like 50 feet up to the house and plugged it in. And they were like, don't drive over that. (laughs) You know, we'll be here to to dig a hole in the next two weeks or whatever to bury it. And so I was looking forward to seeing how they got underneath the driveway because it had to cross this existing driveway. And they came and did it while we were gone, so I didn't get to see it.
2: <laughs> exact same thing happened here a couple of weeks ago. Just this orange cable running through our yard up into the house, and they said we'll be back in a few days to, to bury it. We'll send out a crew. And at that time, I didn't know that we were going to have to run cable underneath the sidewalk to the get to the garage. Otherwise, I would have been there to watch them them do it. But turns out YouTube was my friend. Didn't have to go through a whole driveway, just a like a five four foot five foot wide sidewalk
0: Mm, gotcha so what's the state of your shop you told me before we started recording but i think Uh, anybody else would be interested
2: yeah so the the new panel is is hooked up and now uh a little bit more wiring to do but it's almost hooked up and then we're going to uh install 20 some outlets throughout the garage that's the the next step and I have uh, HVAC coming uh, next week to do that. We decided on uh, mini split, and that should be fine. And then we got to work on getting the the ceiling right. Right now, there is no ceiling except for a half of it, maybe a third of it. There's there's a there's a ceiling where the garage doors is, is up, and that needs to be removed and and made a little bit higher. Um, but we're worried about the structural and integrity of the building if we remove that is the building no longer stable so i gotta have my contractor friend come back out and say this is cool or not cool so Hmm. it's gonna be it'll be a couple months before i'm actually working out of it i think oh wow yeah
0: Dang, that's a lot, yeah. but you're still still making stuff in the old shop. I mean, still yeah. Yep. Got the old shop up.
2: is completely functional. This week, um, this week we're actually the project that we're working on. We're working outside here in the driveway. We're going to be building a bed in a driveway,
0: hmm. which hmm. is diff- bed in parking lot bed <laughs> in the
2: driveway. <laughs> yeah. Thought about we, actually, I thought about going to Home Depot and building the bed in the parking lot again, uh, but. <laughs> It didn't make it sense because it's this big thing, and we'll have to tear it apart to bring it back home and put it back together again. And and Jimmy, what was that? What's going on, Jimmy? What are you
1: watching? I'm pick. I'm looking for my pick because I knew I had a good one. I just thought, uh. sorry, I thought my phone was on mute. My apologies. Oops.
0: Yeah. I have to do that while you guys are talking.
1: Jimmy, what are you working on? <laughs> <coughs> what am I working on? I'm I'm making actually. If you guys watch my Instagram story, by the time this airs, it'll be further along. I'm working on. Props for a pop-up shop in Manhattan. A friend of mine, I think I might have mentioned him, he owns a company called Spraygrounds, a backpack company. All the kids wear these backpacks. He was a former student of mine that had a project that while well, he was a student, it turned into a huge company called Sprayground Backpacks. And he basically is the, the backpack maker, like the way kids collect sneakers, people collect his backpacks. It's kind of hip-hop, inspired all arts and graphics on all the packs. He's doing a pop-up shop and he wants all kinds of crazy cool, like hip-hop. Gaudy stuff. We actually look to get like a wrecked Ferrari like nose, which is just still too expensive. Even a wrecked Ferrari hood is still hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And uh we're making gold bars and making big gold looks like big gold ingots out of styrofoam. So I've been working on that all day. And uh Brett's at the shop now working on that. And uh working on my Rockler video, which is like inching along slowly, slowly coming to a close. It's gonna be an installation in my house. And um what else? I'm working on a, a holster for my my camera, a leather-molded holster, which is going to be another video. And, uh, yeah, just trying to crank out the video. I was trying to catch up. And, you know, I slipped in my analytics. I slipped in everything. So I'm just trying to catch up, making content and taking a lot of work because I spent so much time not working and spending money. So I'm a little, a little anxious, <laughs> if you guys understand that, that. feeling. <laughs> yeah, just spending money and not earning it. It's, it's a little stressful.
0: Yeah, it is kind of yes. weird
1: so yeah just uh getting ahead of the <clears> curve <throat> and enjoying country life i'm going back to the city this wednesday for meeting and uh just to do some banking but i've been going down to the city typically each wednesday which for the last month and a half and it's a nice little vacation to be in the city and not have to worry about the shop down the block hmm. Hmm. and not even it's like my friend says is it, is it weird being in the city and not having to go down below Houston street I was like, it is such a stress relief. I don't know if I said this on the show a couple of weeks ago, but every time I heard police sirens, I was like, oh, my God, my shop's on fire. That's what I would always think. And the other day, the sirens went off, and I was like, oh, that absolutely cannot have anything to do with me. My shop's not there anymore. There's no flammable liquids down there. There's no flammable <laughs> stuff. So, for years, every time I heard the fire department, I would get a little nervous that they were going over there. Because... I had that shop in the basement of a tenement building. God forbid there was a problem down there. I would have put so many people in danger. And So that was a big stress on me all the time, always worrying like it did. I let my shop be used by a lot of people, and I was by far the most responsible. So if I let somebody do something there, I'd come in and I'd find like a torch laying on the ground with the button stuck on. you know, like, what are you doing? Oh, I got a phone call. I'm like, turn the torch off when you walk out. You know, stupid stuff like that. <laughs> it's... I was always the most responsible. So when I wasn't there and other people were doing stuff, I just didn't trust that anything was getting done right. But all that stress is alleviated. And now I'm here. I can work until 2 in the morning, grinding, spray painting. Taylor uses this lacquer on her steel furniture. And last night she was about to spray one of her pieces. It was 11 o'clock at night. And she said, do you want me to spray this here or should I bring it outside? I said, it doesn't matter here. Yeah, we don't have any neighbors. Just spray it all you want. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, it's... Super poisonous stuff. So she put a mask on, sprayed it, and then we walked out of the room for a little while. But it was just a little touch-up; it wasn't a full-on spray job. But if I if I just spritz the can in the city, three one one, I'd have an investigator the next day coming down to see if I had any aerosols in the place. It was it's a much different lifestyle up here, much much more conducive to being creative spontaneous.
0: Wait, you weren't supposed to have aerosols in your old shop?
1: Uh, no, well, VOCs. The, the guy would literally came down twice while I was there in the recent years because they really got fed up with me. They started calling 311 a lot. We had painted something and they called 311 and the the EPA of the city, whatever the equivalent is, came down with like a tester. And the guy was walking around the shop because I left the gate open. And I said, hey, what's up? You know, the, often there were guys working for the building in the basement. I, I, wasn't all the, I wasn't the only one allowed down there. And I said, what's up? He's like, oh, just checking for VOCs. Apparently somebody was painting here the other day. Like he didn't ask if it was me or he's like, who's been painting? He was just like a guy from the city, neutral, walking around, just testing the air for VOCs with like a stick. And he goes, yeah, somebody complained, but I don't... The machine doesn't smell anything now, so everything's cool. So <laughs> I was like, "Oh, cool!" And then, like right there, and then I'm like, "Oh, wow! I can get away with anything because it just has to be the next day. They can't come that <laughs> night." <laughs> Seriously. That's the plan. Yeah, I'm like, "Oh, they're not gonna come if I spray at night. They'll come the next day when the smell's gone. It'll be no problem." <laughs> no, but that's that, funny. You know, I don't have to worry about any of that stuff anymore. My yeah. even my landlord once called me and said, "I'm gonna fine you if you don't clean up." And I had to clean up, and I never get the. But I'm not. I mean, I'm. That's not. I don't have to worry about any of that stuff anymore.
0: Cool.
1: And, and it was awesome. Part of the reason I always wanted to get out of there. I felt responsible for the people above me, and I never wanted to cause them any any harm, or, you know, physical or otherwise. So uh, it's it's definitely a stress alleviated off my my brain. Yeah, being up here, and it's just yeah. much more freedom. Like I said, much more spontaneity to be able to just like. Let me start the chainsaw and do something. Let me do this. Let me just go out in the street and do this because like I have a huge parking lot in front of me. I could go out there and we could play baseball in front, which I'll never do. But I mean, it's like a huge field in front of me. I could. Uh, Zach put a video up of the week he was here and I was scooting around on my Vespa trying to do donuts on my Vespa. He did like a quick video of me on his phone of me playing on my Vespa. So yeah, it's nice, it's like country living. It's like you nice. know what's the last thing you hear right next day before he gets hurt says, let me try that. Hey, hold my beer. Let me try that. <laughs> That's what it's like up here. Hold my beer. Even though I don't drink. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm really digging. I mean, it's, it's different because I don't come from the city like in New York City. But um, just having more space around me, you know, not necessarily for work yet because I haven't really gotten to that. But just being able to walk outside and, like, look up and have space. Like, I can see horizon to horizon, you know, and it's huge. And when I look forward, there's just a giant field and You don't have big don't na- you don't have
1: in. neighbors close like I like you did, right?
0: Well, no, I mean there's a neighbor right next to us. Um but out of our backyard there's a giant field straight out. So if you look directly at the backyard you don't see anybody. Right. You know, if I look to my left then I see them and they're they're good neighbors and we're friends and stuff, but you know, just it's like so close to be able to just walk out into the wilderness and we've been on trails and stuff the past several days. It's just, man, so nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm loving it. That's great. Kids are getting used to, um, to a different style of being outside, you know, cause like in Savannah, it's nice. It's a, it's just a different type of environment. And, you know, out there, they had kind of in the neighborhood that we were in, they had kind of limited access to space and to stuff. And so we spent a lot of time in our yard in the pool, which is great. But like, when they wanted to go outside to play it was like okay you can go into our tiny front yard or you can go into the backyard if one of us are there because the pool's open and that's Mm. our rule and now it's like they're like hey can i go outside and i'm like yeah sure just make sure you can see the house (laughs) and they just go outside and they run (laughs) don't get (laughs)
1: eaten by a wolf
0: (laughs) yeah is there a difference you know
2: is there a difference in the humidity level
0: yes yeah it's uh it's way less humid i mean it gets humid here sometimes But I was actually thinking about that earlier today, you know, there, uh, when you, when you go outside and you go, Oh, it's hot. I can't breathe (laughs) here. You go out and you're like, Oh, it's hot. Uh, That's all right. It's not a big deal. You know, like I can still, I don't feel like somebody is breathing hot air into my mouth when I breathe. That's what it felt like. So, uh, yeah. You don't like that? That's, that's the visual that you wanted. I'm sure.
1: Yeah.
2: Thank you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But, um, it's, I agree with you, like being in a different space and like a more of a, I don't want to say country cause it's not the country here, but it's just a, a more open kind of natural space that we get to take advantage of. And it's been awesome. And of course, you know, I've already said, um, I'm not really in the shop yet, but I'm really looking forward to having that space. I got the first materials for my first project today, uh, in the shop and was able to just like carry them in. And I was like, Oh, where do I want to put these? <laughs> I got space right there or right there, or right, you know, I can put these sheets and they're not in the way of anything, which is amazing. Cause in the old shop, it was very much like I have to, I have to pre-think about where do I need to put these so that they don't interrupt the next two weeks worth of, you know, moving things around. And, That's amazing. It's the
1: same thing with me. I, I, I can go to Home Depot on a whim and pick up a whole truck full of plywood. And then on the way back to me, tell if I I could just stop at the shop and just dump them off and not have to unlock the door. Cause I have this big foyer. It's kind of like a, it's, it's a loading dock in front. It has like a big shed, so I can just back up, unload the truck, and then pull away, and it's in a spot where nobody will mess with it. So far off the road, no one will mess with it. But in the past, I'd have to make literally like plans. Me and David always joke about we have to make arrangements like we're going to rob a bank. Like that's what it was like. We'd have to figure out, okay, when we put the car here, where are you going to be? How are we going to avoid getting caught by the police, getting a ticket, being double parked? None of that is part of my equation anymore. Hmm. I could just go buy stuff and, oh, yeah. Oh, you know what? I'll oh, pick up five more sheets for me. You know, it has to be like, there's no room for it. We have to wait till we get rid of stuff.
0: Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, what are we going to talk about?
1: I think you had... A, I know what we're going to talk yeah, about. Yeah. You,
2: you've suggested an interesting topic.
0: Uh Yeah. So since this move in, uh, I mean, over the last year or so, <clears throat> I've been thinking more about how I make decisions about things and the process of moving. I know we've been talking about moving a lot for the past several weeks and I know not everybody else in the world's moving. So sorry, but <laughs> I think this might apply to more people. So over the past year I've been thinking about making this move and it was a big transition for our family. And part of that process of thinking through like, well, why do this? Cause you know, I can work from anywhere. Uh, I didn't, I didn't have to move for a job, which is often the case for people. Part of thinking about why we why I wanted to move at all Made me look at uh, Midlife crisis stuff Right I mean I had to I had to be fair to myself And look at that And be like Is this me just going like I'm I'm picturing my own mortality You know I'm seeing where my life is And I want to make a change Before I can't change it again Is it something like that Or is it You know Something else I don't know There's a bunch of options there But I've thought a lot about that over the past year. And um, that kind of made me start thinking about like how our age plays into the decisions that we make. And if it does at all, it may not for a lot of people. But So I, w- I have some thoughts on how my age, and maybe not age, but place in life, or like life phase or whatever, uh, I'm, I'm starting to understand a little bit more how that affects me and the stuff that I decide to do and the things that I care about. And so I was just kind of curious if you guys had any Situations like that, or if you have any thoughts on yeah. how it applies to you?
1: No, definitely. I, I when I'm, I'm I saw I broke ground on this space in my backyard, and it I I say I just I want a shop that that's going to be my last shop, like the one in my backyard. That'll be it. Because in the city, I've had three separate shops. Now this one upstate is uh, you know a fourth one in the last twenty five years, and the next one that'll be in my backyard. That's going to be it. I, I mean, unless major changes take place that I'm not anticipating that's going to be it and it's I'm 50 years old so I just spent 25 years bouncing around from here to here to there because I didn't own any of it this one I'll own and I don't foresee myself going anywhere you know, avoid any major changes but definitely and then now that I'm 50 I think to myself I'm getting a puppy Taylor and I are going to get a puppy on Saturday we're getting a puppy Yorkie I think I told you guys and we bought him months ago he was born May 1st and we get him uh 12 weeks later and the whole time i'm like okay i'm gonna have him until i'm i could be 65 you know by the time he finally checks out so i'm thinking about how old i'll be you know he's like he'll be like we have several animals but he's going to be like my next child so to speak because i don't have any other real children um so i make all these considerations it's like can I handle a puppy when I'm 65? I'm only joking right there and then, but the idea, (laughs) of course I can. (laughs) But the idea of, you know, making decisions, and then like, also like, now that I'm 50, I mean, it's a a weird threshold. You know, you guys will be there in a few years, but, should I try and do this? I'm like, nah, I'm 50. I don't apply. It doesn't apply to me anymore. Like I've, I've even written to people about, you know, potential like being commentators and like YouTube series and stuff. I'm like, you know what? I'm 50. It doesn't apply to me anymore. I just keep working on my own channel. You know, it's like even when, and now when I get involved in TV show stuff, I'm like, eh, I don't know. You know, like 50 is the magic number where it's like, you're not a kid anymore. So.
0: So about that right there is that, do you have that feeling because you think you're too old for what they're looking for? Or is it because you personally are like, this is just not a thing that I care about at my age?
1: Um, a little of both. You know, sometimes I wish I would have uh, been more, you know, I obviously wish I would have been more successful at the TV adventures that I've done. When you see some of these guys that are set for life, you know, like for instance, like the Chopper family that made motorcycles, you know, their, their glaring success is just, you know, seems to be... Long lasting, even though the show's off the air, but you know, I never had that type of TV success. But it's, I'll never capture it now at 50. I'll never have that. You know, the opportunities I had when I was in my 30s on TV, I'll never have those same opportunities again because they're going to look for another 30 year old. They're not, you know, they're not looking for me. I mean, they would only look for me if I was some famous artist that made, you know, that makes his own way. You Mm. know what I mean? Like that it made my own. So it's like, I have to, I have to, it's like, no one's going to make me now at my age. I have to make me at my age. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, I I can't count, I can't count on any production company or or any TV network to like pull me into their fold. They're like, Hey, you're going to be our guy. That's, that's totally over for me.
0: Well, that's interesting to to put it that way, that, you know, situations like that where they're looking for a guy, Mm -hmm. whereas the older we get and older anybody gets, you become less and less. What they're looking for yep. when they look for a guy to fill a space or a girl totally. to fill a space. yeah, And so that's interesting. The way to look at it is yeah. that you're looking to be you <laughs> in control of you. And they're yeah. looking for someone to be what they want and that they mm-hmm. can kind of be in control of, you know. So, that, I mean, so. the only way I'll have success
1: hmm. in this entertainment business this you know, DIY maker entertainment business is if I just keep doing my own thing on YouTube. And then if I get so, you know, I don't know if I'll get any more successful than I, than I am than we are at this point. But if I get uh, the only way that I'll really be involved in any sort of like bigger TV success is if I get wildly successful on my own, you know. But like I said, I'm 50. I'm not going to get Justin Bieber numbers now. I'm not going to get, you know, Miranda numbers. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to YouTube, I think I'm kind of settled out where I'm at. At least, it's you know. I got to keep making weapons. Every time I make weapons, my numbers go up. But. <laughs> <laughs> I got I to gotta re- rejuvenate, make a few weapons.
0: Yeah. Do that once a month, man. Get your <laughs> momentum kicked back up.
1: <laughs> yeah. But no, the, like, I, like I was saying, the, you know, the 50 number is definitely, it's definitely a threshold. I feel like I've crossed the threshold. And now, Every time I meet somebody, like they walk away, I say to Taylor, I'm like, that guy's 51. She's like, no way. He looks like he's 60. Like, that guy's 53. <laughs> you Holy know, Jimmy, if, if you
2: follow <laughs> through with that fidget spinner, you're going to gain a huge audience.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Did you tell that was a fidget spinner in my fusion image? Did you, do you know what I'm talking about?
2: Uh, I would, we, we talked about it briefly a couple weeks oh. ago, but I, oh, I don't yeah, think yeah. I...
1: Last night I did a, my blog and there was a there was a vision of a wheel that I'm working on a fusion oh. image of a wheel that's going to be my fidget spinner. It's made to look like a 1930s flywheel. Oh, nice. Only the nice. old timers are going to want to play with it, not the kids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> old timers are like, I got better things to do. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious about that. You kind of said something a second ago that made me think. I mean, maybe the the TV and the success thing maybe doesn't apply to as many people. Right. Uh, as a relative point, but what about, like, things in the shop? Like, have there been things where you've, lately, you know, where you've thought, like, hey, I want to make this, or I want to do this, and, eh, maybe I shouldn't, because I'm, whatever, you know, because my hands hurt more than they used to, or because...
1: Oh, yeah, no, like, physical work. I mean, you know, all my joints yeah. hurt. I can't get down on my knees as quickly. Like, like I'm sitting here at the table with my knees bent. When I go to get up, i got to push off the table. So, like, physically, my knees are really really spent. If I spent a lot of time up and down the next day, I, my knees really feel it. But as far as like in the shop, I feel like I'm getting younger. I'm like Benjamin Buttoning, learning how to use the laser, playing with my CNC, and, you know, doing all these things that I never thought ever I would ever do. You know, like, I never, ever, ever thought I was going to, play with the CNC. I remember seeing guys use like the vinyl cutter like 10, 15 years ago, and I'm like, wow, that's like so over my head. I can't believe those guys are using a vinyl cutter. I'll never learn how to use a vinyl cutter. And now that's like, you buy an Amazon, you, you're you in a vinyl cutter business in two minutes, you know? And so the idea of technology and how it intersects my life, it's it's really kept me young. And then another thing that always keeps me, keeps me young at heart is my students having you know 20 year olds for the last 25 years uh, that i teach each each year and now i i think i told you guys i'm not going to go back to school next year i might go back to a different school but i'm not going to go back to the school of visual arts i basically sent in my resignation letter to the to my chairman yeah i i just i I need a change and I, i actually had been teaching there for 24 consecutive years and it's it's enough already. I mean, I, I'm happy teaching the world through my YouTube channel, and there is some other opportunities for some colleges in the city. So I'm going to see if I could pursue just a different change of scenery. But yeah, it's uh, I I don't I don't feel as as old as I am. I'll tell you that much.
2: <laughs> I have found that the older that i get the less selfish i become and i don't know if that's a product of getting older or just me being more self-aware because of various things i had up until i was like six years ago when i was 36 uh, i had never lost anybody close to me and um, then my my grandfather passed away and that was the first time I've ever, ever had to deal with anything like that and then this year losing my dad and then I'm seeing um, one of my aunts dealing with like advanced stages of ms I just kind of um i i I think I'm less selfish because I see the world differently now like you know we are we are fragile we're only here for for so long and just being less selfish I have a completely different outlook on a lot of the things that that would that we do and um I think it does make a difference in what I choose to do with my life, like the, the, the path the path that I'm taking and just always trying to do the, the right thing that's best for um us, that's best for the earth. Like I keep I think about the earth more now in my decisions, you know,
0: and just I don't
2: know, just less selfish I think as I get older.
0: Mm do you have any specific, um, examples of like, and maybe that's too personal. You don't have to, but do you have any specific examples of stuff that you've like, that you know that you've done differently in the last year or two years or whatever than you would have before? Mm. And maybe it's not, maybe not related to those things, but even just like how you run your business or the, you know, where you choose to put yourself or.
2: I, I will say that, you know, uh, four years ago Kelly and I had a a couple conversations where we actually decided to try to change our mindset about certain things where we tried to just be more positive and um, say less negative things um, you know be less selfish or whatever and for whatever reason as soon as we like made this this thing where we tried to remove negativity. That's when good things started to happen to us. Um, it's when I was able to, uh, opportunities started to come up when I was able to quit my job. I don't know that I have any very specific answers. Um, but just, I don't uh, Yeah. When, once I decided to remove negativity, thing, good things started to happen. You know, mm.
0: do you have something?
1: Jimmy? Yeah. I, it's funny. You should say, uh, it, at the older I get, the less selfish I get, and that's basically what you just said, but in a different way. When someone's in my shop and they're like, "Oh, this is really cool," I'm like, "Oh, you could have it." They're like, "I could have it." I'm like, "Yeah, I, you know <laughs> what? I get another one. You got to need it." Or like when we went to Boston and I gave away all those tools. There was a time in my life where like I hoarded them and like I needed them for some weird comfort. But now, like as I get older and I'm getting more mature. I'm like, oh, wow, I have three of these. Let me give two of them to somebody that need them. And and that's partially because of this community. But that's definitely me maturing and realizing I don't need all this stuff around me. I obviously have lots of junk. But when someone's in my shop and they're like, this is a cool piece of metal, I'm like, take it. I'll just get another one. I mean, if I need it for something, I know where to get it. You know, you're starting out. You don't know where to get it. You have it in your hands right now. Go Go build something. So I get much more of a reward where in the past I'd be like, I need that, like, and if it's moved, I get anxious about it. I still have a little bit of that, of course, but I, the older I get, the, it's more about it's more about having an easy time and and encouraging people to do stuff.
2: So the example, I, I just thought of a couple of examples, um, a few like I used to say, you know, let's say two, three years ago when a family member or a friend would be like, Hey, can you help me out with this thing? I'd be like, I'm so overwhelmed with work. I'm I'm you know, I'm behind, I gotta do all these things. And there, many of those times because I was so into what I was doing, I would have to politely say no. And now I find myself uh saying yes to those things. I, I try to help family and, and friends more because I realize those things are more important than and work and i know that if i miss a day of work if i miss a project that week i'm going to be okay i should use my time to to help those people so those that's the example that i have
0: yeah yeah that's a good example hmm. i um i do this thing with our kids and People may not like this and that's okay. I don't really care. Um, (laughs) So our kids, we have four kids and they are similar in age. And so they play with a lot of the same things. They're into a lot of the same things. And, um, you know, kids get selfish about stuff. They they like toys and they like books and they like whatever. And they, you know, if it's theirs, they have like an ownership and it's like a me, me, me thing. And so I've always done this thing with our kids. If there's a toy or something a physical thing that causes a fight between two kids the thing goes away and immediately like no no questions no it's like if i see them fighting i pick it up and i'm like all right this thing is gone and they're like but what but but why why and i'm like well the person you're fighting with is more important than the thing you're fighting over and then just walk away and i do that over and over and over um, as a way to reinforce to them that like, the interaction that they're having is way more important than the thing that they care about. Like, they're, they're misfocused, you right. know, in that time. Um, and that started to work because now that they're, the two older ones at least, are beginning to respond a little bit more. If they see that they're, they see themselves fighting over a thing and I start to walk up to it, they're like, okay, you can have it here. <laughs> because they know it's more important to, like, great I don't event. need this thing bad enough to lose access to it, you know? and. Right. And like, I don't know, uh, I mean, empathy is a really big thing for me. It's like, it's something I always want people to care about or want my kids to care about the people around them more than the stuff around them. And, uh, that's one way that I've tried to kind of do that. And it plays into the same thing that you were just saying in that, uh, we can focus on what we want and where we're looking and what we're doing at the moment and not necessarily think about the fact that there's somebody right there next to us that also has a need. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's easy for us to just get heads down. It's easy for me to do, like to get heads down and work and just think about how much I have to do or, you know, uh, people will be okay. My kids will be okay. They don't necessarily need me right now. And if I can snap myself out of that, a lot of times I'm like, man, what, what am I doing? Like, (laughs) these are my kids. These kids, they need, they need and deserve everything from me. Um, And sometimes that means I have to work to make money to feed them. Yes. But, it also means that they deserve my attention. And stuff, you know. Yeah. Do you have something? You look at you're about to say something. Me? No.
1: Yeah. Oh no 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 no! I'm just acknowledging oh, you. Poor. I I like that idea of if they fight over an object, it gets taken away. I love that idea. When yeah. I have puppies it's fighting like over a toy, I'm going to do that. I'm have to take it away. <laughs>
0: That's what I do with my dogs. too. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: have a yep. I have an uncle who's
2: uh, in his mid 50s, and he says. He doesn't feel any different now, age-wise, than he did when he was 19. And it makes me think, I'm like, I don't think I feel any different now. Except, you know, I can't, I'm a little bit bigger, I, I can't run as fast, but I feel the same, I think mentally I'm still alert. Do you, have you guys noticed a change in just how you feel
1: no i mean honestly i think my my sense of curiosity i always say you got to maintain a childlike sense of curiosity i think it's getting bigger i think it's gotten bigger and bigger and uh when when i react to some of the things it's funny i don't expect people to even know i don't even notice it i edited a video recently where i was talking to the guy about the concertina he made and a lot of the comments were wow listen how excited you are listening to the guy talk about this machine he made and i didn't even notice it when i edited it like i heard myself going oh my god and uh, I was like, "Oh, that's like I, I kind of was a little embarrassed about it, but I left it in the video because it was part of the soundtrack. And everyone's like, oh, my God, listen, how excited you are listening to that thing. And when people sent me, like a guy sent me a picture of a giant antique bandsaw that's 20 miles away from my house. He said, this is sitting in a barn since I was a little kid. He goes, well, do you want me to ask about it? I was like, yeah. I said, oh, my God. <laughs> I said, absolutely. I said, I can't wait to own that thing and get my hands on it. So like that excitement... I think it's getting more and more because now I have more opportunities because I have more fans knowing what I like and showing me cool stuff. Every time I open my email there's like a cool gift even if it's just a statement. You know, there's a great gift from a fan and that 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 childlike sense of curiosity and excitement it just gets bigger and bigger. Keeps I think
0: me yeah, I I don't I don't feel like I've lost any of that as well. Like I feel like I'm getting more and more yeah. uh motivated to to be active and like to be proactive in making the stuff that I want and all that, you know, whereas I think younger me was probably a little more self-conscious about whether I could do it right or not. Now I'm like, hmm. I know I can't do it right, but Hey, that's awesome. Absolutely, that means I can't mess it up too bad. Right. I just, you know, <laughs> exactly. It's only going to get better. Um, and so I, I do feel like I'm almost getting younger and from that perspective, I'm getting more curious and more motivated. It's funny though. And this is part of what triggered this Uh, this whole conversation. The other day on Twitter, Gavin from the Slow Mo Guys, you guys know who he is? Mm -hmm. You know, like, you forget how old you are relative to other people. And Uh. so, I was looking at a tweet that he put out, and he was like, something I, you know, and I'm 29, and I only did this. And I'm looking at the guy going, wait, I thought we were about the same age, (laughs) but you're 29? That means I'm definitely not the same age as you. But it was weird, because it was the first time I, like, Legitimately thought I was within a couple of years of this of another person, and then it dawned on me that like, wow, I'm I'm older than, you know, I mean in age it's a number, whatever it doesn't really matter, but it just kind of caught me off guard. Like I need to be realistic about who I am, <laughs> and, like what I am, and like the age I am relative to these other people. But I don't feel like I'm getting older. Yeah, you know, like I I I, I try to stay active. I try to stay healthy. Mainly for my kids because I want to be alive for them. Um, well, I say I generally don't feel older. Since I've been doing all this hardwood flooring, I've been, you know, like doing a lot of more manual labor type stuff lately. Uh, my knees are a little bit more sore, you know, the, my shoulders are more sore when I wake up in the morning and stuff like that. So I guess I am kind of feeling it in that way. But in general, I don't feel like I'm slowing down. I don't feel like I'm. You know, like losing my oomph for things. But if, just me. if you would
2: have asked me five years ago what keeps me young, I would have said music because that just made me feel young playing music, being up on the music scene. But now I think it's being creative and finding an outlet to be creative. Because hmm. you know, I think when you're. You know, when you're in elementary school, you're encouraged to draw and come up with these things and use construction paper and build all these things. And then when you get older, that kind of goes away. And now I get to do that again. And it makes me feel like a kid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Stretch is a part of you that hadn't hadn't gotten stretched in a long time. Right. The other day with my
1: laser, it was the same thing it was in my uh you guys might not have seen my my vlog this week but uh, i got the laser hooked up dave this week and i was playing with it all by myself Aww. i was flying solo and oh my god it, like the discoveries like will it burn this will it burn this will it cut this will it cut that put like 20 different materials in that thing will it cut this will it burn that i and i'm like okay let me see how small i can get my logo <laughs> this is so much fun nice
0: so, it's cool so uh, another kind of related question to all this Jimmy, this doesn't really, maybe, maybe you can find a way to apply it to you, but I know that David, you and I both left relatively safe, secure jobs to do what we're doing now. And we did it at around the same age. Do you feel like you would have made that same kind of risky jump if you had had, I don't know where you were 10 years before, Mm -hmm. but at that point in your life, if you had had something secure and, you know, that paid well and everything, do you think you would have made that same jump at that age?
2: Hmm. I, I think there's a there's a wave if i was in my early 20s i would have made that jump and then 10 years ago that would put me at um 32 i don't think so i i because i think at that time you know i was in the mindset of like you know you you work for somebody else and you just start a family and you you do this thing. This is what you're supposed to do. And then when I realized like, no, you can do whatever you want to do and and take chances. So 10 years ago, no, 20 years ago. Yes.
0: Yeah. I kind of had the same answer actually. That's interesting to hear because I think um, when you like for me, that area, that time when I was right out of college kind of like, all right, the world is my oyster. Like what do I want to do? That kind of thing. And I started a business, you know, so I kind of did that. Um, and then I think it's probably really common for people once you get to maybe not a certain age, but a certain point in your life where you're trying to, you're trying to settle down in some perspective, whether it's like with another person or with a family or buying a home or whatever the thing is that you define as settling down. Uh, you know, you start to look at security and you're like, well, if I'm going to settle this in this place, I have to be able to continue to be here and like, you know, provide for whatever this is. And so the risks become greater. And I I think for me, that was uh, both thinking about the risk and, you know, like what all I have to lose if a job doesn't work. But it was also, I think, uh, maybe a lack of confidence in that, you know, like I I know I'm good at programming. Well, not anymore, but I used to be. (laughs) I used to know that I was good at programming and I could do that without really thinking about it. But I wasn't confident in my ability to do whatever the other things were that I was interested in. Music is a really good example of that. I was never confident enough to try to make a career out of music, even though I liked it. Um, but then at this point in my life, where I've gotten a little bit older, I've been building confidence in myself, in my ability to learn new things, in my ability to just figure out how to survive, enough to where making taking big risks at this point like quitting a job that was secure. It's not really that big of a deal for me because like, I I think at this point I've gotten mature and confident enough to be like, well, if this doesn't work, then I can figure something else out. Hmm. You know, I can build houses. I I don't, I don't really know how, but I can figure it out. (laughs) You know, I can like any, any of these number of skills that I've been kind of like dabbling in over the years. Like I can take one of those and dive deep on it and turn it into a career. And I don't think I would have felt that same way ten years ago. Maybe not even twenty years ago. But it's interesting how that works out.
2: So, so that leads to the question: What would current self tell your twenty-year-old
0: self?
1: What would the twenty-year-old hear information from this version of me? Yeah.
0: yeah. What would you do? What would you tell that one to, with your uh, vast knowledge of fifty years?
1: I guess the only thing I would say is, honestly, I mean, I've taken chances my whole life. And I I kind of uh, bucked advice from almost everybody that's given me advice. Everybody always says, take the safe route. What if it doesn't work out? And remember, we always talked about what if it does work out. And in various parts of my, in various attempts in my life, it has worked out. And others, it hasn't. So I I have a nice balance of success and failures to reflect upon. Uh, I guess the only advice I would give myself is save more money. That would be mm. it because I'm. I kind of like. I'm like I'll blow it all. I'll make more money down the road. I just work harder. That's always been my theory. It's like work harder, make more money, and you know, at 50 years old, I, I'm I'm making more money by working less physically, and I just want to kind of widen that. I want to like just wake up and think and make the most money I ever made. So, <laughs> <I'm> so <laughs> physically. <laughs> Beautiful. You let me know if you figure yeah. that one out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just want to. I want to move my eyelids and my eyebrows and make money instead of every other part of my body. <laughs> no. So yeah, yeah. I guess all I would say is just save money. Honestly, I've always done what I wanted. I've always been, uh, you know, a bit of a, I think, outside the system kind of guy. And I, I attribute that to my dad in a way that people probably wouldn't assume. My dad has always wanted to play it safe. Always. Mm-hmm. Always. Always. He said, "Play it safe." do this. If I was in art school, he said, maybe you want to be a fireman too. I was like, I don't want to be an artist and a fireman. Well, you should take the police test. I said, I do not want to be a policeman. If I'm not going to be a successful artist, I'll be a successful something that is not a policeman. Um, he always said, lean back on something. I'm like, this is my life. I want it to be what I want it to be. I don't want it to be what the safe route is. I, I just, I never thought like that. And it's always because my dad always said, do this. And as a kid, we always don't do what our parents say. So, my dad forced me into a life of entrepreneurship because he wanted me to take the safe route, and he forced it on all three of us, all four of us—three of my three, meaning my brothers and my sister—and in in each one of our own ways, we always did what we wanted. My brother John became a civil servant, pushed by my dad, but the entire time he knew he should have been a comedian, and he, you know, he eventually became that comedian that he knew he was. So. It's – yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, I would just tell myself to save my money. That would be it.
0: I think for me it would be you know, something to the effect of when you're looking at something, you're immediately going to think of the worst-case scenario. Make sure you balance it with the best-case scenario, which is kind of the same thing as like what if it all goes right. But Uh I think a lot of times when we look at things, the only – Outcome that we really focus on is what could possibly go wrong. Like, what is the absolute worst? We don't think because that that rarely happens. It's usually somewhere in the middle. But I think I would just tell myself to balance the worst with the best when you're, Mm. you know, trying to figure out what to do. But what about you, David? Do you have something?
2: Yeah. The the silly answer would be like, "Hey, David, the internet is coming. It's gonna blow your mind."
0: (laughs) Uh, Invest in YouTube. Invest in YouTube. (laughs) Yeah.
2: The real answer is stop worrying about. What your parents and your friends think and do what you want to do i because i think i played it safe and i did things because i this is what i'm supposed to do this is what my dad this is what my mom wants me to do and i think i did a lot of that and i didn't do what i really felt was in in my heart and now i am and here we are i'm hosting a podcast with a couple of my best friends having a good time
1: Awesome. Right on. I just thought of another piece of advice I'd give myself and everybody else. (laughs) Too late. You already said (laughs) it. This is for everybody else. Uh, To the younger people out there listening. When you meet, say, a TV producer, or you meet the millionaire that's going to give you breakaway success as far as furniture design, or when you meet that guy that's like, I'm going to design 20 buildings and you're going to be my number one guy. Don't think that that's going to be that that's one stepping stone in your way i've met so many people that are going to change my lives and the only thing they did was give me a little bit of income for a little bit of time so Dude. there were so many life-changing meetings i've had this is going to make you a millionaire this is going to be and i leave that meeting and then i leave it up to them to do their part of it and nobody follows through so that's a little bit negative but when you meet these people in your life that are going to take you down that that road of success you have to lead that road. Mm. You have to be as pivotal as that money person or that gatekeeper to, say, production or that gatekeeper to, you know, a a factory or whatever that is. I, I've had so many examples. I can't even think of a good clear one. Um, I've had three, maybe four TV opportunities. And I, I was kind of almost shut out of leading any of that because once you get into the TV world, it's all – it's like a kind of a closed-door creative that you're not allowed in. Um, but always you got to work it as hard as you expect them to work it. You can't just sit back and say, Oh, I'm in the passenger seat of this Ferrari. They're going to drive me to success. You got to work as hard as, as you think they're going to work. And you got to keep making sure you're pushing the ball forward every day. Don't let somebody else do it when you think that you met the expert. Cause there really yeah. are no experts everybody. You meet, they're just lucky. They got lucky. They worked hard. They got lucky. Some people didn't work at all and they got lucky. So
0: that's it. Well, and you you, you got
1: to with- drive. You got to drive from the passenger seat, basically, if I could put it in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Kind of along that with that same topic, when someone comes to you and says, uh, you know, we want you to be this. TV's a good example because I think that's the way that that works. There's a team of people that come up with an idea. They go to a network, they get funding, they do whatever, and then they go to a person and they say, we want you to be the thing on screen. And immediately, I think our people's natural response is like, "I'm gonna be—I have my own TV show." And the fact is, you're like a puppet that gets put in front of this thing and it gets you know, not told what to do. That sounds kind of—but
1: it's not negative. It's not I, your I really thing. Mean it
0: that way. You're part it's of a bigger thing. It—it it,
1: right. it is, it is though, because you're you're part of a bigger thing. And then, like, look at how many famous people you think, oh, this show or this this show or this production or whatever it is. I mean, we use, we keep using shows, but it's not necessarily about entertainment specifically, but. You know, the head of a company. You think yeah. the company's not going to go anywhere without him. Steve Jobs, they were able to keep going without him, although he came back. But, you know, any one of these huge companies, it's like almost like they still live, they, you know, the company lives on without them.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't – I, I, sorry, I was going to finish my thought mm-hmm. real quick. That just make sure that if you, if you get approached by something like that in your life and somebody wants to like, hey, we're going to put you out in front, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have any control over that thing and that you're going to have any input. And for some people that's perfectly fine. Like if you don't if you, if you don't want to have creative input into the thing that you're a part of, right on. Go for it, you know? In my mind that's like heavy metal or like punk rock versus pop music. Most pop musicians are voices and they don't generally write their stuff. They just go perform it. And that's great because that's what they want to do. Other people really want to be the creative force behind the thing that gets played or created. And you don't have to necessarily be one or the other of those things, but when you get into, as you're building your, your career or whatever, and you have people coming to you, like Jimmy's talking about, just make sure that you decide kind of where you, where you want your control to lie Mm -hmm. and be realistic about what it's going to be going forward. I've run into this a little bit over the last couple of years, so I just want to throw that in there.
2: It's just know what, know what you want your role to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was I was going I was gonna say it was kind of a left turn, but one of my one of my fears is when you when you run a business, you're always supposed to expand, get bigger, move on, do these other things. And one of my fears is it getting too big where there's too many too many people involved. Cause I, I see I see all these independent YouTubers who now have a whole office team help building their videos (laughs) and then i'm like that's sort of like tv and it's no longer this like one you know like independent thing you're it's it's now a corporation of 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 people making this youtube channel and it kind of loses its independence and i so i'm i i kind of i i hope at least right now i want to keep it very small Right now it's, it's me and somebody else, maybe next year it'd be me and somebody else and somebody else, but I can't see it getting much bigger because I don't want to lose that control.
0: Yeah. Well, there again, it's the same kind of deal as like, you have to decide ahead of time what you want your role to be. And if, you know, like Rhett and Link, if anybody knows Rhett and Link, they're a, a guy, two guys that started as a comedy duo on YouTube. And it was just the two of them for years and years and years and years. And they've been around for a long time and they're extremely successful And when we were at VidCon, we heard them talk, and somebody asked, like, how many people they had on staff now. And Rhett, or, yeah, Rhett was like, I don't know, it's like 30 or something. (laughs) And I was like, dude, does not even know how many people work for him. That's crazy, you know, when you think about it. And it's awesome from one perspective, because they now have the infrastructure to do the things that they wanted to do. So if you look at it that way, you know, it's not like they're just building, like, let's get as many employees as we can have. Uh, they're, they're filling all these gaps so that they can focus on the the specific part that they want to do. That's not for everybody, but you know, I think to what you're saying, I think it's like deciding kind of where you want your thing to end up. Do you want it to be super small and personal and like really authentic? Or do you want it to be something else, you know, giant and Mm -hmm. higher production or whatever? you know, there's a million reasons for it, but, um, yeah. Anyway, can I ask you a question? Cool uh yes. both of you actually so um when you, do you
2: see your videos as an execution of your ideas i'm gonna say yes, right
0: like what are you so
2: well what i'm what I'm getting at is I, I see my videos as like this is my idea, and this is i, I, I I'm, I'm I'm putting it out there. I now have somebody that works for me, and sometimes he puts his ideas. In there and I, I kind of walked the line of like okay when is this no longer like completely my know, maybe I'm getting selfish again maybe I'm hitting that wave and I'm mm. going back to being selfish but i I like the idea of saying this whole thing was 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 my uh, came from 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 my head and and I made this do you do you take input from the people that work for you
0: absolutely yeah because I know that I'm not great at everything. I I think I am good at some... I think I'm reasonably good at a lot of things. I don't think I'm great at very much at all. Do you worry that that's going to change the vision? No, because the vision is to get people inspired to, to do more... To get people thinking they can do more than they actually... Wait a minute, let me start over. To get people to realize that they can do more than they think they can. And that means things being better than I can make them. That means reaching more people in more ways. And... <laughs> Uh, you know, there again, it's just like, depending on what you want to get out of it and what you're trying to create, it's different for everybody. But for me, I, I think, you know, if I have somebody else's input that I trust and I value their, their skills and their, what they're going to do, it's only going to be better than if I were doing it by myself. Um, that's the way I look at it. Hmm.
2: Yeah. I think I look at my business as, as from an artist's perspective where it's my, it's my Hmm. signature on the bottom of the painting. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Well, see, I mean, I kind of started from my very beginning. I didn't look at it that way or I would have called it like, nah, that sounds negative. I don't want to, I'm not responding negative to you. When I thought about it, it was like, I can either create it as a company or I can create it as Bob Claggett. You know, like if I wanted it to be more of a personal artist, this thing is about me. Mm-hmm. I would have gone more of the personal name try to put my face in it. I've put my face in it more in the last couple of years or last year or so. But before that, I kind of kept my face out of it as much as I could because I didn't really want it to be about me so much. Um, But anyway, I I decided early on to go more of the company route so that I could theoretically someday add more people to create more types of content to reach more types of people, Mm, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's just like a different approach than what you're doing.
2: And to be honest, I don't even think about it that much. The only time I ever really kind of think about it from from that perspective is when we talk about it on the podcast.
0: But have you run across videos that have come out and you've been like, oh, wow, that wasn't something I would have done. Like the way something was shot or something that, you know, your guy put into it?
2: I, I'm i doing a lot of directing. So I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty much getting what for the most part what i want although eric is a better um he's better at filming than i am he has he has brilliant ideas and the the joke is like okay let's film it that way but that's pre- let's pretend it was my idea that's kind of the, we, we say that all the time
1: well you, what, what i do with brett all the time is when we're shooting a video together and uh, brett's been a great help with the with the videography I'll shoot the couple things that I want, I know what I want, and then I say, you know what, in these next five shots just be creative because I trust he's going to come up with something good. And so it's it, we have this rhythm where it's like, okay, I'm going to direct him to do these five things that I know I need for the edit, but then spend the next few minutes getting creative. And then you know, more often than not, I use the stuff he, he comes up with. But a, a lot of times I'm just thinking of the edit i'm just thinking okay i just was here now i got to be here and now i'm going to be here now i got to be here so let's just get those and then get creative mm-hmm. and then you know it just gives me choices that's all that's all i'm really always looking for choices and i totally trust his cinematography and his composition
0: yeah hmm. that's a good question you guys got anything else on that
1: Cool. Mm. <laughs> well, mm. <laughs> cool. Okay. No, well, you it. know, it's funny. It's funny, Dave. You, you, I, I got interrupted, guys. I'm sorry. I had to check out for a second. But um, Dave, you, you, you were talking about how when you see, like, for instance, Philip DeFranco. And he looks like he's, like, the head of, like, a giant production company. And he just puts these videos out, you know, of him talking about the news. And that, that makes me nervous. Like, I don't ever want to get to that point where I have, like, a staff and an That's office. That's the exact example you know, I was thinking I of in my head. Yeah. Yeah, no, because I see what he's the changes he's been going through, and I know you you watch him, and I know I watch him. You know I watch him, and I see, and you know, some, once in a while, he'll show like the backroom, you know, stuff, and it's like, what do all these people do? Right. That's like when you look at like, what does Beam do? What do all those people do at Beam? There's not even a product yet. They're all standing <laughs> around typing on. The, they've got to be just checking their messages. That's it. That wasn't anything else. <laughs> no, you got to tell me that eight hours a day, those people are creating something. All they're doing is. Reading the comments on Instagram. They're probably answering Casey's comments. (laughs) That's probably true. Oh, my God. It drives me crazy when I see all that. (laughs) It's not my money, but. Yeah,
0: I mean, well, you know, there's a difference. Because I think if you look at, um, take Tested, for an example, as a, a company that is a team that there's not as many people on staff, but there is a team of people that do different things and their videos still have like personalities to them. They still yeah, have tested
1: to me seems really tight and small. I mean, I don't know if it yeah. seems like there's four people. That's it. I mean, is it?
0: Yeah. There's a, f- I don't know how many full-time people there are, but they have kind of contributors that come in and out, which I think yeah. is probably what helps them be nimble and small. Yeah. Um, but I think they're, they're a good example of something that's not one guy doing a thing Uh, but people, you know, they have a video guy who's really good at shooting and editing. They have Mm -hmm. Norm who's really good at presenting. They have Adam who's good at building stuff and presenting and, you know, they bring in all these people that are specialized for certain things and they don't keep them on staff all the time, but they come in to do their thing well and then they move on to somebody else doing their thing well. So there are ways to do that, I think, to grow and to have a team to make good stuff without it like spiraling into, you know, a news agency or whatever, Mm -hmm. but anyway, we got way off top. Uh, you guys got anything else you want to wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. Oh wait, oh let's. Uh, yeah, what are we? Oh. What, what are we watching? Yep yep, 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 yep. Hey, hey, look, we're back. Hey, uh, what are you... <laughs> uh,
2: shaking off the you guys rust. Been
0: watching anything? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys Watch anything, cool?
2: Jonathan Katz Moses. He was over in my shop last week, and he taught oh. me how to cut some dovetails. And we even have a fancy inlaid dovetail video coming out very soon that we shot. But I wanted to, I wanted people to check out his YouTube channel. He hasn't put anything up in a year, but he's got like five videos in the works. He just can't find time to edit them, but he does good stuff. So Jonathan Katz Moses, big supporter of what I do.
0: He's a good dude. Nice.
1: Now, uh, you guys might somebody might have mentioned him before, but I just discovered him. I've only watched two of his videos, and they were great. And that it just came up in my suggested things. Maker's Muse. Have you guys watched Maker Muse? Oh yeah. Do you know him?
0: Uh, yeah, I met him uh, in California. Angus, is
1: that his name? he's like a very great presenter. I mean, he's really he's very skilled at what he's doing, and he's about three D printing fusion. Yeah. And mechanisms, discussions, like I said, I've only watched a couple of videos, but they were presented very well, and he seems like he's getting traction. He's got about 150,000 subs, and uh, he presents information very clearly and precise. Yeah. Makers, Muse.
0: Yeah, he's a good dude. I met him uh, in Maker Faire, which you guys missed out on. It was awesome. It was so much fun. Best one ever. You should have gone. Anyway, uh, so this shouldn't be a surprise, but Radiohead. But specifically... Mm -hmm. Radiohead's YouTube channel. Uh, so, I don't know if anybody, if, if you're not a fan of Radiohead, you don't know this, but they have, they play very few shows. They go on like one tour a year. They only play in the biggest possible venues in the world because they bring so many people in. So, it's practically impossible to get tickets. Every time they go out, they have shows. They, you know, they'll play Madison Square Gardens like three nights in a row and they get sold out in like 10 minutes or whatever. And so people have a hard time getting tickets and seeing them and some people throw a fit about it. Anyway, they started putting every show. I don't know if it's every show, but most shows from their tour on their YouTube channel. They're like two hours long. They're super well produced. It's great music, great visuals. It's awesome Hmm. because it's like you don't have to go see them. You know, you can still see them. Uh, So anyway, if you're a fan of them or if you don't know anything about them, you may be interested in that. Because they are really amazing live. I've seen them once. Hmm. Um, but before we go, we have a lot of new Patreon supporters. And that's awesome. So uh, we started doing this thing. Um, we do After we stop recording for this show, we talk a little bit longer. We do kind of an after show. And it's a little different. And it's other stuff. And it's whatever we feel like doing. And that only is available to people who support us on Patreon. And so I think because of that, we got some new Patreon supporters this week. So I want to especially thank Make, Build, Modify, Keith, Decent, Ashley Stilson. Hey, Ash. She's, uh, she's on my um, Twitch stream all the time. She's awesome. Malt and Make, Corey Ward, Evan and Caitlin, Jedediah Schultz, and Wise Old Dow. So we have a lot more names thank there. You guys, the yeah, scene, thank you, guys. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, so if you guys want that little extra bit of show, go check us out at patreon.com slash making it and uh you can have it yeah so thanks thanks for all the support there everybody
2: one more quick thing before we sign off uh if you're going to yes. be in the dayton area on sunday the 6th i am giving a talk at 1 p.m come say hi yes. i'll have books Here. maker,
0: maker fair uh, that's the the, maker Faire. D- the dayton mini maker fair nice sweet cool well good to be back yeah you guys i hope i uh, get in the shop this week i hope you do too thanks all right we'll see you guys next time all right love
1: you